In January 1988, during a campaign stop in Iowa, George Herbert Walker Bush told a banquet at the Council Bluffs Holiday Inn that we must never apologize for the United States of America. As president at the first Earth Summit in 1992, Bush doubled down on exceptionalism with the statement, the American way of life is not up for negotiation, period. In this way, the first U.S. president of the 90s established an America sharply divided from the rest of the world, an America in some ways defined by its laser-like focus on and appreciation for itself. However, in March 2000, the son of George H.W. Bush, George Walker Bush, would, during his own presidential campaign, draw the curtain on the decade of the 90s when he happened to remark, I think we agree, the past is over. Indeed, the notion of America would change drastically over the course of George W. Bush's presidency when a variety of events occurred. For the youngsters in the audience, the strongest impression of the Bush dynasty must certainly be that of the third Bush to run for president, John Ellis Jeb Bush, who as far as we can tell, never said anything more memorable than, please clap. And this is the third strongest podcast. Hello. Today on the podcast. Hi, hi. The next part of the game. <laughs> That's right. Welcome. It's the third strongest podcast with Ryan, Sarah, and Zach. Even when you're the one talking, you put me first. That's uh, that, that's true deference. I'll be it's honest. You put yourself last. No, no. It's because that's the in the call. That's the order the names are listed in because it's alphabetical. Oh, okay. and you had just, to read it to remember I, all the right names. Look, look, <laughs> look. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Uh, uh, it's the second episode. We and beat. when we left our hero. The sun had just come up in Onet, and it was time to begin an adventure. Uh, did we talk about the photo man yet? Or did no, we I don't off? think so. Okay, the photo man shows up. Yes. As you walk into your house, you are interrupted by a man flying in from the sky <laughs> to photograph you. Guy with a bushy beard and a top hat and big glasses. He supposedly has a camera i have a, a memory of the sprite of his camera but i think that might be a fan thing because i don't think you actually see his camera in hmm. the game do you i don't remember you do but only in the credits oh okay oh. great great all right and he says uh what does he say he has a speech uh let me see I, i'm gonna try and do it off the dome wow Pictures taken instantaneously. I'm a photographic genius if I do say so myself. Um, oh, what's the next part? I don't remember the third stanza. I think, I think then he says, okay, say fuzzy pickles. There's another, there's another, there's a third line to it. Get ready for an instant memory or something oh, like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. An instant memory. Uh, and then he says fuzzy pickles. And then you get a cool shutter effect. Yeah. And then he says, wow, what a great photograph. It, it will always bring back the fondest of memories. And then he flies away. And then he fl and also there's ridiculous music going on for this whole thing. <laughs> it's this like, is one of the weirdest things in the game so far, which I think is saying a lot. It's it's great because it doesn't it's there's no context given to this. Yeah. This is just an <laughs> event that happens throughout the game yeah. at various points that is not elaborated on until the credit sequence, where suddenly it's given context. 
I think though that it has, although it you know it, it is the function in the moment, of course, is to be a non sequitur, but I think it does have a meaning or context in that moment because the game has just it, it has been jerking you back and forth for the past ten minutes or however long it took you to play this game. Is this a uh, serious science fiction adventure or is it a parody thereof is it like are we doing the rpg thing for real or is it kind of a parody of rpg mechanics like is this a serious story with buzz buzz giving us this dying speech or is it complete like farce with Lardma smashing buzz buzz like a bug and when the guy shows up at your, you know, the threshold of your house to take a picture to commemorate what's going on. The game is sending a signal. It's saying, we're you're going to go on a vacation in this game. We're taking pictures because we're commemorating mm. your trip. Hmm. And throughout the game, I think Mr. Fuzzy Pickles shows up to kind of remind you that this is fun. Or to remind you that it's not all that serious. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the the comedic the comedy comes from the tone being snapped back and forth all the time, and I think that this is their uh, their way of like snapping kind of a a rubber band on your wrist every so often to say this is you're on an adventure. We better we you want to remember this? Yeah. Yeah. I do like the notion that Earthbound in general is a like road trip game. Oh yeah, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, um I, it, yeah. What were you going to say about that? I was going to actually pivot to the next thing, but go ahead. Well, I I think it's worth pointing that out and like coming back to that every so often because the game does not have a really strong arc in terms of a single plot line that develops over the course of things. Yeah. It really is a an episodic thing where we're going to have an adventure in this place and we're going to have an adventure in this place, like a road trip movie. So there is, like, one through line that I think is the next thing we should talk about. Oh, uh, indeed. Who is our friend we met last week, Liar Exaggerate. Mm. It starts with him. It's not He's not the focus. He's just the instigator. Yes. I guess, as it were, uh, he in the in the the prelude to the opening part of the game, you can talk to him and he'll ask you to come back later ominously and you can go back later to his like ruined house and he will bring you down into a big old tunnel he's dug where he found a mysterious statue. And so when he refers to himself as a treasure hunter in his sign, um, like you probably don't imagine that what that means is I dig a tunnel underneath my house <laughs> and hope that I reach treasure, but that's what he does. You got to start somewhere. I guess for like fan theory purposes, we could imagine that he had some tip that mm. there's treasure in the area and that's why he lives out on yeah. this cliff in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's not like it's a really wonderful place to live, like mm. the house itself. And the the scene of following him deeper and deeper into this cave is very well executed. 
with this thing that Earthbound is able to do of having a character uh, notice that you're getting close and then run a bit further ahead. Yeah, the like uh, the like NPC pathing stuff in this game can be really cool sometimes. Yes, and he re- what he reaches that what he thinks is just the first sign of a much bigger treasure is a golden statue with horns, and he went like he was inviting you. He seemed pretty eager for you to see this at first, but now that you're down here, he's he gets all paranoid. He says you shouldn't be, really be down here. You you should get you're getting in the way of my work. Uh, you may start to get greedy thoughts, he says. And when you examine the statue, it says the golden statue is glowing strangely. And then I thought that we were going to hear the classic spooky musical sting, but there's like a special music sting for mm. just this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they call it the golden statue. It's capitalized, uh, which may or may not be significant. It's a really well-paced scene. I I find it I find it very creepy. Of you're yeah. you're like kind of like it's like a maze of passages and you can't see what's ahead of you and there's different rooms and the guy is so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, why am I doing this? Um, and it's interesting that you don't get a resolution right away. Like after no. doing this the first time, you're like, why did I do this? Is this something you're supposed to do later? Um, yeah, it's really interesting that they would put that here. And it's so easy to miss. Yeah. yeah. It almost seems like, uh, I, I feel like in, in any game you made today, this would be, for one thing, something that's impossible to skip. Like, you can't avoid walking past mm-hmm. this guy and going into his basement. And um, maybe the level of specificity and the level of foreshadowing is... I don't want to make a strong claim about that, but it is like doesn't give you much information at all. Yeah. It almost functions to um not as really like foreshadowing, but for someone who has played the game before to notice something on a second playthrough. Of course it seems that way to me after I've played this game mm. ten times. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and it just uh, that's we can the, get more into it later yeah, on. That's the end of that for now, mm-hmm. which is fun. Uh, we got to get into town now. I think. Yeah. Um, can I? I want to talk broadly about something that I think will come up multiple times on this podcast uh, about the way that Earthbound the video game blends the borders between different gameplay like zones so specifically like in a older maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna say more traditional but like maybe more like commonplace rpg you have like towns that exist in discrete areas from fields Mm -hmm. that exist in discrete areas from dungeons Mm -hmm. and earthbound has some of that but it's towns generally don't exist as like completely safe spaces and so as you're like Mm -hmm. going in around on it for the next hour as we talk about it uh if as you get to like the fringes of town you run into enemies um and it's fascinating to me like how it blends together in that way and i think it's i wrote typical american excess in my uh (laughs) notes here 
because it's kind of portraying like this fake America hmm. as this big sprawling area where there's kind hmm. of not discrete areas in that way. Hmm. Um, and it's fascinating to me. And I think that as we go through different towns, I want to point out times where you do get those discrete borders between zones and times when you don't. Uh, that's a really, really good point that I never really thought about. Um, cause I like, I think this was the first RPG I played. And so I took it as just the default. <laughs> and of course it seems like a good default because it's treating everything very naturalistically. Yeah. It's realistic that you don't walk over you know a line on the ground and then yeah. the music changes and now there are people trying to kill you um there's a gradient to the danger or comfort of different places in the world i guess mm -hmm. and it it really feeds into if i can change the subject yeah 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 what i was noticing about the combat the I mean, you never notice it until you're playing this game uh, with paying too much attention to it. But um, combat seems like it's not always clear who's going to go first in a round. Um, you can't really rely on how much damage a uh, an attack is going to do. It seems very variable. And even the amount of health that you regain from a healing item has a certain amount of variance to it that seems inexplicable i i was specifically thinking about the um the turn order thing why is it that sometimes i go first and sometimes the crow goes first and i wasn't able to find a real explanation someone somewhere said that after calculating or they take your speed and each turn they like add plus or minus 50 percent to your speed hmm. which seems completely bonkers <laughs> i don't know if that can be true but the effect is combat and earthbound is not to use the opposite extreme paper mario where it's very clear who will go first and exactly how much damage each attack will do and all the numbers are super predictable in earthbound combat is well you're going to try to do this and there is always a pretty high possibility that you'll miss. And the amount of damage that you'll do is always in question. <laughs> and it feels like, I mean, again, it's, it's a, an abstraction. But in a fight with a runaway dog in real life, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't expect to take well-ordered turns. Um, there would be a... You know, it feels like an actual fight in a way that um, these more deterministic chess-like RPGs don't because, you know, they're making it accessible and playable. Uh, this version is all random and uh, messy. Interesting. True. It's, yeah, it's part of the, like, realism thing. That's but, cool. Again, that's from 
my impression comes from studying this game very closely and not having information like ex- right to my mind from other games in the same yeah. era. Well, I mean, I played a lot of similar, well, kind of similar games around that era. And yeah, this definitely felt different in that way and many other ways. <laughs> like, yeah, there were so many different things about the battle system. It it does feel more like it's less distracting. It's you, It's less of a shift from the rest of the game. Like you don't start thinking about numbers. You're still mm. thinking about the story. And like, why is this like weird animal fighting me? <laughs> and it's, it, yeah, it's sort of more seamless, I think. Uh, when you say that you don't think about numbers, that reminds me that the game is not very friendly about telling you what your stats will be when you equip mm. this or that item. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it just says this is good, <laughs> right? yeah. pretty much. You want to try this. But in a way that's really like tantalizing because yeah. it's, it's it'll either be like grayed out or it starts flashing and you're like, oh, it's yeah. flashing. I want that item, which is like, yeah, if you see very, it at the store, you're like, yes, I need a very to save kid up. Fri- yeah, a very yeah. kid, yes, kid friendly, kid friendly yeah. way of doing that where you're a little kid and you're like, well, that's yeah. flashing. So I got to get that. I mean, that's kind of like being in a store when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. it's the same feeling. The, the good baseball bat is glittering. <laughs> yeah. But like even when you are able to see the descriptions of items, which takes forever, <laughs> I think a, a big problem with this game is how much work you have to do to get that description of an item. Yeah. Uh, and then the descriptions of the items are not very helpful, which might be a stylistic choice adding to the kind of fuzzy um, treatment of all the numbers in the game. Mm. But some it, of those item descriptions are really fun. Yeah. It also makes it so that you have to sort of learn everything in your own mind. Like, or, you know, I guess you could take notes, but you have to sort of experience it for yourself to find out the secrets and what's best sometimes. Yeah. And, and this style lends itself to, like, you start to develop your own, like, style to how you play. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, this worked for me before. So in my last playthrough, so I'm going to do this. And you can yeah. kind of, like, it's a lot of how how do I want to describe it? You're not like doing the math and crunching everything out and figuring out the most optimal thing. It's more gray, like yeah, uh, stylistic choices in how you approach different fights and stuff. If you could see all the numbers, then you would figure out the best strategy. And now you're following the best strategy instead of making any choices. Mm. And, like, you know, there are games where that's the point, is you're, like, perfectly planning out every turn, and that's not what this game's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I I'm, I didn't realize until this moment how much Earthbound's approach to numbers informs my understanding of what feels natural in a game versus what feels artificial. Hmm. I, <laughs> I feel like we would need to have a bigger conversation about Paper Mario numbers to continue this line of thought mm. uh, and i'm not equipped to have that conversation yet because side I could, episode later i should play some paper <laughs> mario at some point i have too many mm. games to play right now anyway <laughs> yeah. um do we want to talk about next thing on my notes is the library that is also mm-hmm. the next thing on my notes uh you can't help but walk by the library you have to see it 
and it turns out to be like a tutorial location. Yeah. But it also is something that's very easy to ignore if you feel like it. There's a lot of SNES RPGs that have this exact building in it in some way. <laughs> yeah. Final yeah. Fantasy VI has this, Chrono Trigger has this same building, uh, but it's contextualized as a library, so it's way cuter mm-hmm. here. You can get the map here from the lady at the front, and she says one of the best lines in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, all of the info is there, except for the info that isn't there, which I'm pretty sure is straight out of the Daodajing. <laughs> is that right? No, I don't, no that's a joke, but <laughs> oh, okay. it, is, it is very no. Daoist. Right. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, some of the, there's, there's just some lines in this game that really stand out, and there are things that really yeah. stick in your head. And they they add up to a personality that uh, you know people attempt to replicate at their peril <laughs> she also tells you to come back to return it in 2001 uh, oh does she <laughs> which is which is just fun you know when you're when you're translating a game in 1994 <laughs> sure i'll put a future deer in there I, we didn't talk about 1990x no partly because it's impossible for us to like really understand that joke now but yeah the game like i am buying this game in the 90s when it says 1990x i'm like so it's right now Mm -hmm. why aren't you saying it's right now and it must be a joke on like mega man (laughs) to be like it's not the vague future it's right now but we're being vague about it for movie reasons Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd anyway. like to know why they did that, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. The map is fantastic. I love the map. It's yeah. so... It feels very pointed. Like, to to show you the, the place that you're going to be playing in, and I don't know, like, show off how pretty it is. Hmm. When... I feel like some games, especially with regard to towns, they're not, and it's partly a limitation of the hardware, but they can't do a really great job of making a town look vibrant the way that Earthbound does. Am I Mm. talking out of my hat? No, it's very vibrant. That's true. And I mean, it goes with everything else about the town and the people and... Well, and what games give you an in-game map? Yeah. Yeah, and and it's not that you get it automatically at the beginning of the game or anything. It's not that you have a button you press oh, you at the beginning. To, you have to go Yeah, you have to Yeah, you have to do the thing you would do in real life. Not a diegetic map in the same way. There's not a lot of games that provide like a a map that is meant to be an object in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like way. a tourism map. Yeah. Absolutely. It has the the logo, the ape logo up in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> it has edges. It has a yeah, shadow. Yeah, it does. I think that like the corresponding idea in many uh, similar games is the the like world map. Yes. Like you leave the focused top down or like the zoomed in version, and you zoom out to the world map and. Is it kind of wild that Earthbound doesn't have this? Hmm. I, I don't 
think so because okay. like the first game also didn't have this. You just end up with a much more um I was gonna say Zelda ish style map where it's just like a just a contiguous world you're in. Mm. Um yeah. but I don't, there's all sorts of different RPGs out there. I have not played them all yet, so <laughs> I just think this is the map you would get in the game, like in, in if it was real, you know. Yep. You wouldn't you wouldn't get a world atlas. You wouldn't need it. When you get to a new city, you might get a map of it because you need it. Yep. Yeah. It's cool. It would be kind of fun to update your map. I like the tourist information building of each new town that you go to. Mm. Like Mario is missing. Um, That's not what I was thinking. Okay. Sure. Anyway, the map is very good. There's a whole bunch of tutorial stuff in here that we'll probably just come into naturally as we talk about mechanics in the game that we run into. Yeah, I don't know what in particular I really want to point out. I have one thing. There's the gag where the guy goes to the bathroom. That was the thing I was going to say. This game has a mode where it'll go into gross-out humor. Um, And... This is on the periphery of that, but it's way more, like, absurdist and not meant to be gross specifically, just meant to more be, like, really silly. Hmm. Yeah. And so I like this more of, like, well, it, it's we're, we're doing this realistic world, so there's bathrooms in the real world. Mm-hmm. And we're going to sh- not let you go in there because we don't want to actually put a bathroom in the game. <laughs> but it'd be really funny if you just can knock on the door. And we, yes. we have that knock-on-the-door technology for this video game, so. <laughs> uh, we hit some more stuff later that leans way more into the, the gross stuff, but uh, this is way more fun than that. I don't know. I like the gross stuff. Don't spout your opinion at me and treat it like the, the objective truth. I, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Uh. It's okay to disagree. Anything going on else in the library, or should we move on to another cool place? One dumb thing about the library is that one guy quotes some tutorial information from the book Our Convenient Society, and then someone else in the same room is quoting from the book Our Society is Convenient. (laughs) That's pretty good. And I can't... It must be a translation issue. Like, someone was translating two lines of dialogue that weren't right next to each other in the overall text file but i would totally buy that as a joke though i I think it's very funny it is it is it it would be a good joke if it were intentional i can't bring myself to believe it's intentional anyway let's leave the library let's walk around the town let's walk around the backside of the library real quick okay because there's a guy on lookout over here oh yeah um there's this like an extremely missable area where there's just a guy you can talk to like a kid who will say that he's on lookout and that he's guarding the secret hideout and you can see a building off in the woods but you have to like walk up through the trees in a way that doesn't seem possible yeah to get to this cool clubhouse where all of ness's nameless friends are hanging out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they're here to give you like a pep talk for your upcoming adventure (laughs) one of them like will give you a better baseball cap than you could get in the store 
Yes. Uh, one of them has a prophetic had had a prophetic dream about your next party member. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, this stuff is dynamite. Uh, I love this yeah. little hideout. Secrets. What struck me about these guys and everyone else in town, I guess, is there are. We haven't seen a bunch of uh, reused NPC sprites yet, but we will. And it turns out that, like, visually, this world is populated with, what, 20 different types? And they all look like stereotypes, right? There's, like, messy kid. <laughs> There's, like, Jamaican guy. But... Guy, guy that loves New York. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> when you talk to them, the the text makes them all look or sound like the opposite of stereotypes. They each have, like, internal lives. Mm. Uh, the, the, the writing is just fantastic at treating all these people like people. And hardly anybody is there just to give you plot information or clues to an objective. Uh, everybody's got an amount of personality yeah yeah there's so many games that would just have the bare minimum number of characters that you need for the story but yeah. this is really filled out with interesting people thinking things that you might have thought at some point yeah yeah game earthbound is a game that's not trying to be like efficient in a gameplay yes sense. Mm. there's there's oh a, and, there, and there are gosh. there are RPGs you can play where they're being efficient, and that's fun in its own way, where it's like, oh, okay, we've minimalized this down to, like, just the essentials, and maybe the game's going to lean more into the mechanics, or maybe the game's just trying to get a specific point across much faster. Mm -hmm. But Earthbound is a game of, like, really, really stretching things out in the terms of, like, okay, we're really going to just make a town like a city mm -hmm. we're gonna put in a bunch of buildings that don't do anything we're gonna make it big and sprawling like a real american town we're gonna fill it with a whole bunch of people do they all have anything important to say no most of them are just here <laughs> to tell you about you know don't walk on the flowers or whatever <laughs> um but it's it is enjoying that mode because that the game is about absorbing that like place in a lot of ways and the 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 what it means to be in that kind of place as opposed to being efficient that's very true i'm having a whole deal over here yeah <laughs> because that just links up with what we were saying about the combat system yeah. what we were saying about how space is represented what we were saying about fuzzy pickles yeah gosh yeah okay okay um what else is there to talk about? I'm I completely lost track of everything. Okay, let's uh do we want to talk about do we want to talk to a friendly mole now or do we want to save that for next episode when we do more combat? Let's talk to a friendly mole now because we said on the last episode like we can't keep teasing out this friendly mole. It's <laughs> not a good enough payout. It's not Cafe and Anju? No. Um <laughs> there is a mole you talk to him, he realizes that he must look like a monster, so he points out, I'm not your enemy, I'm just here to give you some cool game information, and here it is. When you, if you manage to attack an enemy from, or approach an enemy from behind, 
then your TV screen, I mean, the world in front of you will turn green to indicate that you have an advantage in battle and you'll get a surprise opening attack. But if you let someone sneak up on you, then your TV, I mean, the world in front of you will turn red and then they will have the jump on you. In practice, I think that this mechanic, while evocative and like cool to see, um, is not as important to the game overall as like <laughs> its actual importance is out of proportion with how much people notice and talk about mm. it, in my opinion. Hmm. I think it's cool because you see it happen a little bit before you find out exactly from the wall yeah. what's going on. So I think that's part of why it's so exciting. To, you're like, I yeah. know what that means. Um, it is yeah. fun to be given something and not given an explanation for it until later on. Yeah. You could uh, figure I like, it out yourself. I like when games do this in general. Um, you know, this, Do what? This, Explain this, things or? No, the... Uh, the getting a sneak attack or specifically having like an overworld interaction that determines mm. like an extra bonus or detriment you get at the beginning of a battle. You know, this is the paper Mario thing again. Yes. I, I like it a lot better in paper Mario because it's more skill based in paper Mario. Mm. The, so like I've <laughs> yeah. in paper Mario, I feel like I'm getting an advantage in a battle because I actually outwitted the monster on the overworld and in this game, it comes down to, like, trying to outmaneuver an enemy with the kind of sticky SNES D-pad and not being able to move very fast. The the one extra bit you get in Earthbound compared to some is that you can just auto-KO an enemy if you are yes. strong enough in comparison to that enemy. And that is cool. It's wonderful. That is, I think that's a much bigger deal yeah. than the uh, sneak attack mechanic. Yes. Yeah, why didn't more games that, do that? Right? <laughs> um, on top of that, the mechanic that we'll find out later where enemies that you grossly outclass will run away from you. It's that's so satisfying. So visceral and good. <laughs> and so like that feeds into the auto win mechanic and that, you know, it's a triangle with the uh, sneak attack mechanic. Mm -hmm. But like... Those other parts don't get as much airtime, I think, but I think they are bigger parts of the overall experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all good. It is good. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. There's a entertainer shack up here that we should come back to later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, we got to go, go around kind of a weird back alley behind the town and see some other uh, houses if we're following exactly my uh, route through the town, which I guess was also yours, Zach. No, because now I'm heading okay. over to the store, the, the, the shopping district. Okay, before we get there, okay. I got to tell you about, like, we're not going to talk about every little NPC and interaction, but here's my favorite thing in the game. Okay. You mentioned it earlier. There's a sign in front of some flowers. It says, the flowers in this garden symbolize... The ones in your heart. Treat them both nice. Which is a beautiful little thing to say. But I swear it's on purpose that you have to walk on the flowers <laughs> to approach the sign to be able to read it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely on purpose. 
And that's my favorite joke in the game. <laughs> we peaked early. It's really good. It's really good. What else is there in this game? Uh, okay, so we're going to go over and see a couple shops real quick. Uh, but I have to talk about the trash can out here. Mm. Uh, there's a trash can next to a burger shop. Next to Down Home Burgers, uh, as it's called. Oh. And you being the intrepid video game player you are you're gonna check this trash can because it's the first one you've ever seen and it turns out it functions like a treasure chest (laughs) um and it gives you what a lot of the so the the default treasure chest in the game is the present that you see everywhere like a gift wrap present uh and then there's other ones that are different items that you can open up that give you like an extra little splash message and the splash message for the trash can is well let's see here which is like ness is like digging his arm down into the trash to try and find something good down there and he pulls out a hamburger uh and that just goes straight in your inventory and it's delicious it's, <laughs> it's perfect like, it's so good <laughs> it's it's the gross out humor stuff again but it's also tutorializing and it's also incredible yeah, it's totally on purpose that it's, like, the first thing you see next to the first building in town. Like, in town, in the the area with all the shops. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are able to have this critical understanding of this scene. Because this is just baked into my brain in a way that I can't really have a perspective <laughs> on. I just understand that you pull things out of trash cans in video games. Mm-hmm. I remember people like pointing that out as like oh that's a weird thing you do in this game you yeah just pull stuff out of trash cans it was hilarious to me as a youngster how old are you that you're using the word youngster uh, i don't know why i said that um. <laughs> <laughs> you're good, you're good. okay there's uh the burger shop where you can buy burgers fries uh yeah it's a burger shop it's america uh there's a department store no there's not a drugstore. Why did I write department store? I don't know. It seems got... like a department store because you haven't seen how big a department store is yet. That's right. Ooh. Small towns. Yeah. Uh, I I really like the idea of the drugstore as just the general place. That really matches the America that this game is describing mm-hmm. in a way where... Uh, other towns have malls and you could be like, well, there will just be a mall in every town and you buy stuff at malls. But for the small town, the podunk of the game, um, that doesn't work. You need to you needed to be the down home, down home uh, drugstore. And it works perfectly. Yep. Yeah. Very true to life. In my experience, <laughs> you have the I- ATM. Right there in the drugstore. Yeah. In the phone. Wait, I want is the something that youngsters will yeah. recognize or youngsters won't recognize as a payphone. Yeah. Well, it's 1990X. It's right. like it's, a historical record. It's so cool that it's the 90s here and you end up with these things that are like unknown now because yeah. it's a payphone. ATMs, right? Like, yeah. ATMs themselves, they're still around, but like, Everybody had this is before debit cards exist. Mm. This is before you could just withdraw money from your phone or whatever. Yeah. Um, your Apple phone. 
Um, and so, like, the idea, this dates the game really specifically where it's like, oh, yeah, ATMs are ubiquitous, but nobody has the ability to pull money straight out of their account yet. So you, in the video game, get money from your dad who puts the money into your bank account. And then you have to take your physical item ATM card to an <laughs> ATM and mm-hmm. withdraw that money to be able to spend it. And that dates the game so perfectly that I love it. Yeah. And they didn't, like, it wasn't intended as no. a time cap. Like, it is a time capsule, but they weren't saying, well, what are things about the 90s that exactly. really characterize the 90s? They're just drawing a picture of the world as they understood it at the time. Very good. Exactly. Yeah. What else is in the department store? Got a dog who will give you some tutorial information that I already forget. So it's not all realism. No. There's some things that I did not grow up with when I was a youngster, like talking dogs. Um, A dog hanging out in a drugstore, in my experience, that's unrealistic. Hmm. I guess there are parts of America where that might make sense. Yeah. I have seen... uh... I have stopped at a, like, gas station truck stop where there's been a dog hanging out. Okay, okay. There's also two different shopkeepers. One for, like, the pharmacy. <laughs> like, with a oh, cold yeah. remedy. And one with your equipment, toys, baseball bat, a cheap bracelet that costs $98. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know if there's anything else interesting in the drugstore. Except for beautiful music. It is a good song. Yeah. I can play this one on the ukulele. Nice. Nice. Uh, we can talk about... What do I have here? I have... I have. We can go to City Hall, but maybe we can talk about... Oh, we can go to City Hall first real quick. Um, hold on. Before we go to City Hall... No, you know what, Zach? Hmm? We made a mistake in not going to the Entertainer's Shack. Oh, okay. Let's go back up because there. Because... We need to, like, it's it's difficult for us who have played this game a million times to remember how this works. But here's how the game goes. Here's how the story goes. Buzz Buzz tells us, go to Giant Step. That's the first Your Sanctuary location. Some people in town give us the impression that Giant Step is up in the northwest, um, in the area that... Uh, is tantalizingly covered up by the logos on the town map. We go up there and we uh, find that the way into the hill is blocked off by this entertainer's shack. And the entertainers outside say, this sucks. We can't get into our shack because some guys may have beat up the place. It's a very weird, like, explanation we can't go into this building because someone may have destroyed it on the inside. I don't know. It's weird. I think what they say is what gives you a reason to go to City Hall. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. It's like, oh, you can see the there's a do oh, not enter The sign. shack was locked by someone from City Hall, mm-hmm. so we can't use it. The reason it was closed was because a punk named Frank may have trashed the place. What a drag. We can't even change our clothes, and hotels are too expensive. It's true. That is true. Well, I don't know. I guess when your dad is giving you money for beating up dogs, then hotels don't seem that expensive. <laughs> but we have a lead on someone called Frank. But 
mo- more pertinently, only with the help of City Hall will we be able to get into this shack and move on to our stated goal. Mm-hmm. So we better go to City Hall. Let's go to City Hall. We go to City Hall. There's a uh, a character here that... Is it? No, no, no. This is a sign outside. There's somebody here that talks about the Fresh Breeze movement, which is just a really funny little, like, thing that oh, yeah. permeates some of the on it, uh, like, flavor NPC uh, stuff. Yes. There's a sign out in the world somewhere on it that says, Break the course of violence, don't break the wind of change. Mm-hmm. As, a, as the slogan for the Fresh Breeze movement, which is more gross out humor, but this one's really clever and I like it. <laughs> and there's also a sign in the southwest corner of the town that's super boring doesn't even have enemies in it has no reason to exist except to make the overall map a square there is a sign that says don't wander this far away from town fresh breeze movement yeah but like there's a there's a lady here that's running that or like part of that movement which so that's what yeah she says some suspicious looking kids are hanging out in the woods north of the library i wonder if they are members of the sharks this is clever stuff, right? Because that's a clue for getting your Mr. Baseball cap, but it's also tying it into the plot of the sharks that are actually in town. Um, yeah. And yeah. That's, a, that's a perfectly serviceable line of dialogue for an NPC in this situation. Yeah. To give us some information and to build the world together. But this lady is going to go on for another paragraph. To stop the spread of the gang, someone should shut down their gathering places, don't you think? I've started a movement that will stop all the bad influences on the children of Onet. I call it the Fresh Breeze Movement. Hum de dum dum. The way that like the way that this is structured really makes it seem like the Fresh Breeze Movement is going to turn out to be more of a thing mm. in the rest of the game, mm-hmm. which it's not. But it's a good uh, it's a good hanging on point for a fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Extremely. Anyway, sorry to get distracted. We gotta go see the mayor. Yeah, go up to the... Well, I'll talk to the secretary first. She says, you need an appointment before you visit. I'm going to have to stop you if you try to see the mayor. But she she's just an NPC. She can't get me. So I go upstairs. <laughs> and a cop is up there in the mayor's office. He says, the mayor is really busy trying to handle the deal with the sharks. This gang in town called the sharks that people might have mentioned. Uh, he doesn't have time for you. He kicks you out, and then you go back to the secretary, and she says, look, I told you so. <laughs> well, shoot. What are we going to do? Ah, I, I'm i stuck. I need the player's guide. No, I have an idea. I'm going to investigate the sharks. Okay. So the sharks hang out around the arcade, which we'll come to here in a second. But, like... They're also just roaming the streets in this area, too, in a way that we were talking about how enemies don't respect boundaries necessarily in this game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the city streets are a bit dangerous feeling, like, or the town. Like, even the traffic is kind of, like, it's not, it doesn't feel totally (laughs) safe. And then you have, like, bad guys running around. Yeah. I'm not equipped to discuss the the way traffic is handled in this game it's <laughs> hilarious i always found it a little bit scary that you could like it, yeah. they went really fast and if you were in front of them like it felt like you might get hit but you don't but yeah. but it's only one part of town that has this gang activity yeah um yeah it's- which 
if now that I'm thinking about it, what a cool thing to do with your game to limit the spawning of this certain class of enemy to this one part of the map. Yeah. It feels totally natural. Yeah. Um, and the most of the sharks are like running around randomly. They're random encounters like dogs. But there are a couple who you can talk to that seem kind of like they should be safe NPCs to discuss issues with, mm. but they're not. They will have a little bit of a conversation and then they will fight you. Yeah, there's some that are standing still, right? So you think I can just walk up and talk to this yeah. person and then, yeah. Yep, it's very uh, unpredictable. And there's a couple in the arcade that do just like, they, they won't attack you. They mm. are just NPCs yeah. to talk to. So there's this ambiguity to it as you start going through. Like, well, is this one going to fight me? Yeah. Yes. Is this one going to fight me? Probably. Is this one? Maybe not. Jeez, all these decisions to make things less predictable and codified, that must have been really difficult to just to make this kind of game where everything's so fuzzy all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. The sharks themselves are cool. They've got like helmets with fins on them. Yeah. There's a guy wearing like a full bodysuit and a hula hoop. <laughs> they got hobbies. They all have hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) I like the way that's a good way to frame that. Well, I mean, are they actual bad guys or are they just uh, affected by what everyone else is being affected by? You know, maybe they're just regular kids. Guys. I don't know. I think that they... (laughs) I don't know when Gygus's influence started making people bad. But, I mean, uh, philosophically, I have to insist that Evil was in the world before Gygus came here. I guess that's true. I also don't think we get anything from Frank afterwards where he's like, oh, I was possessed. It was more like, no, I was just being a gang leader because that's what I was doing. Yeah. And I got and he would he would be happy to beat up more <laughs> punks who yeah. encroach on his territory. Um, Not to jump ahead too much, but it does say he became tame. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. There's something, some change happened. Maybe it was just your your charisma and your yeah. fighting skills. and Somebody somebody took him down. And so he's yeah. like, you know what? I respect you now. Yeah. By like hooligan rules. You're, you're the right. boss now. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, okay. Are we going to, is, is Frank the next thing to talk about? We should probably just get into Frank. If we have some more stuff okay. to talk about in on it, we'll have more time to yeah. do that. Oh, I guess we can point out the arcade real quick because there's a couple things in the arcade. Uh, what's in the arcade? Uh, arcade games. Yeah. Uh, one of them is definitely Donkey Kong. Okay. One of them is like an invaders game. Um, there's a shark that will come run at you and like demand a fight in a way that's always very exciting to me. Uh, because... Yeah, it's it's stressful that certain NPCs have the power to rush up on you yeah. and fight you. In a way that's different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, I've played this game sometimes where I was really wary of combat and wanted to avoid any fight I could. Not understanding that that was going to cause me problems right. by being underleveled. Uh, and so... 
you know, I would do all this gymnastics trying to get enemies off the screen. We haven't talked about that um, to avoid fighting them. And this guy who you can't get around was really nerve wracking for me. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Uh, you can th- run out, right, if you want to. But otherwise, you're fighting. Yeah. I mean, even if you if you if you see him coming and you turn around, because he's an NPC interaction and not an enemy interaction, it's not like you get a red swirl if he gets you from behind, is mm. it? I don't really know. No, 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 no. There's nothing like that. It's just automatically a regular encounter. A talking encounter. Yeah. Okay. Um There's one more NPC and it's the 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 shark that's guarding the door to get oh, in the yeah. backyard of the place yeah where mm-hmm. he he's like a recruitment guy and he's like hey do you want to join the sharks and if you say yes he says come back after you finish earthbound Whoa. nice good one which is it's a good joke i enjoy these jokes yeah we said on the last episode that the name earthbound gets checked like twice or once or something and i found two or three instances in Onet alone hmm. that I didn't remember at all. Someone's wondering if the game Earthbound has come out yet. Oh yeah. So I think it has. Uh, <laughs> I think it has. It's on the virtual console now. Yeah. <laughs> I have it in like three different systems virtual console, which is embarrassing a little bit. Well, let's not get into bragging about how many times we own a game. <laughs> Let's if let's say no to the guy who asks us if we want to join. Okay. Because we're a valiant paladin. We don't want to join a gang. And he said, what does he say? Is it as good? I don't think it is. I don't remember, so probably not. You're going to check, aren't you? He says, don't be such a snob. And then he fights you. Oh, okay. And uh, he's just a normal encounter, but you have to, you have to bite, fight a certain number of sharks to be strong enough to take on frank who is a tough guy he's the leader of the bad gang and he is a dude in like a pinstripe pink suit with a shark fin afro and really gross lips (laughs) and he has knives a real character a very strong showing for the first, like, boss. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, I, he has a lot of personality. He's very well realized. Except that I think that the pixel art of his, you know, weird grin is possibly actually just bad pixel art. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't like it. Anyway... Let's fight Frank. You get How a good fight. This guy. You get a good. I like the 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 dialogue you get where, I guess it's it's Frank saying like I'm Frank and who are you? And because Ness is silent protagonist, there's just no response. And he's like, well, "Aren't you gonna talk?" <laughs> and then he fights, and you do that fight, and it plays the uh, Johnny Be Good song. Oh yeah. Um, which. People point that out as one of the like legally actionable, um, like m- music uh, theft problems. Yeah, that supposedly keep this game from being re-released. 
But K.K. Slider uh, doesn't then, care. Yeah, I think that the opening of Johnny B. Good is actually one of the less problematic musical things going on. And like actually sampling from Beatles songs is probably <laughs> a little more trouble. Although it never seems to, I mean, I don't know. I people always say that's the reason that what why we can't have nice things with Earthbound, why it takes forever to come out. It's because of all this copyright stuff. But I don't think it's a case of behind the scenes. Nintendo is paying the Beatles however much mm-hmm. money they need. To be satisfied to say, okay, you can put out this game. I don't think that's what's going on. Yeah, as far as I know, all that's unsub- is just unsubstantiated at this point. Yeah. Where like that was all the scuttlebutt for a decade, and then they just put it out, and it's unaltered. So, no, that was just Nintendo being coy with their game, basically. Coy, coy or just not wanting to put the game out. Yeah. And for what? For whatever. Like, there must reason. be. Oh, they must. The law must be forcing them not to mm-hmm. release my favorite game again. Yeah, that's the only explanation. Yeah, you can, you can work yourself into a lot of weird positions that way. But yes, the fights. The fight's cool. Fight's cool. He's tough, but not too tough. He's a cool guy. I don't know. He's. It's. Not really that interesting. Is I, it? I guess. Except. Oh. <laughs> well, is there something cool before the except? No, go for it. Uh, you defeat him, and he says "huff puff huff puff," which I take to mean that he's out of breath from being smacked with a baseball bat several times. <laughs> and he says, "Failproof Frank can't be beaten. This is Frankie Stein Mark II, and the weird." robot machine that you saw kind of in the corner of the yard now comes into play because he has climbed inside his wooden robot that he's built and now he's going to fight you with his homemade mech very unexpected i mean it's just like a boss has a second form yeah that's true. I, uh, there's nothing surprising about that, except that it is the goofiest looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> and name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like anybody ever mentions that Frank's known as a robot builder or right. the sharks are yeah. technological. It's, he just did this. This is just an, this is his hobby. Yeah. Turns out Frank had a hobby too, and it's I want to build a robot. And all those cool. guys said, "Well, you're the boss, boss," and they built a robot. And it's cool, even though it's not terribly effective. No, on the surface, I think that Mark II, the the moniker Mark II, refers to it being the second form of Frank. But mm. if you kind of analyze that more critically it must mean that there was a mark one robot Mm -hmm. that uh, either didn't work or just got improved upon yeah that's another thing for your fanfic what happened to frankie stein mark one was it too powerful (laughs) probably or it's in the basement of the arcade and if it gets unleashed (laughs) the woman from the fresh breeze movement 
in an effort to prove that the sharks are a really big problem that needs to be taken care of, she gets the Frankenstein Mark I out of storage mm. and sets it on a rampage across town so that she can blame it on the sharks. Wow. I believe it. Yeah. The thing to know about Frankenstein Mark II is that on every other turn, it just releases a puff of steam. Yep. If you don't notice this, I understand that this is, you know, just back of your hand knowledge for experts in the game. But if you don't notice this, then Frankenstein Mark II is a much scarier battle. Yes. Especially because now that you've done some battling in this game, you know that it's not predictable. Guys are going to attack earlier than they're supposed to. They're going to deal more damage than you think they're supposed to. So this is really stressful. And I've, I've, before I learned the trick of Frankenstein Mark II, I used to be very worried about this fight. (laughs) Whereas now I'm like, well, I know that I can take the next hit because I'll have a free turn to eat a hamburger after that. But it feels like it's a long enough fight that you might figure it out in the middle and feel like a sense of triumph that you've. You've mastered this smart. battle, yeah. If you're if yes. you're really paying attention and notice that, yep, that's which is cool good stuff. Good. Then game you can design. strategize, yeah. Awesome. Uh, you defeat him, and he says the immortal line, "Failproof Frank is now just failure, Frank." <laughs> so catchy. <laughs> and uh, Frank has this transformation that i think we see in a couple other characters in this game where before he was a thug he was just one of these the many you know dumb criminals that populate this version of america but once he's been defeated he turns into almost like a zen master Mm. he becomes a very wise and almost a role model to ness now that he's been beaten into shape (laughs) And he's, he says, wow, you've grown even stronger than I. Your adventure is just beginning. And he offer, he lets you rest there for free. Yeah. yeah. All your stuff. Really good. Like any good RPG, you immediately notice when, oh, I can heal here for free. This is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Frank is rad. Yeah. Yeah. And he ends up getting a little more development over the course of the game. Um, but since I'm in fanfic mode now, I'll say that like Frank is another good hook for you to add more to this game because he doesn't get too much more development. There's still a lot of room for you to write about him. It's weird because I, I was in a community where Earthbound fanfic was a really big thing and I never really did much of it. But now specifically in this hour of the podcast, I'm like, geez, Earthbound <laughs> fanfic. That's probably what I should be doing with my life. There's just a lot of material there to work with. Mm-hmm. There's and, yeah. I, and not that lack of material has ever stopped anybody from writing <laughs> fanfic before, but Earthbound, especially like we we're talking about, doesn't skimp on detail. Yeah. yeah, and there's just so much there that you can find your one little thread, and you're like, yeah, that's mine. I'm t- I'm taking this. This is mine now. It doesn't skimp on detail, but in like Tolkien fashion. It doesn't draw the hardline borders of the world, right? It doesn't, it never tells you everything about what's going mm. on. Yeah. 
Um, are there any other things we want to talk about on this episode? Because I think we said beating Frank was the end of this episode, but if there's anything else that bears mentioning before we move on to the next part of the game. I think we can move on to the next part of the game. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. No, what... because I want to mention one more thing. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the sign outside the hospital says that it's Bush Hospital. That's true. Oh, yeah. I never noticed that before. Okay. It's weird because George Bush had recently been the president of the United States at this point. Mm-hmm. But it can't possibly be a reference to the actual George Bush in this game. Like, that's not allowed in Earthbound. Why not? I don't, I, it doesn't seem to be in that mode of, like, referring to actual real humans with names. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? I mean, there's probably a solution to this, and it's looking up the translation stuff, and I'm not going to do that okay. in a second. Uh, but I can look it up for next time if you want. Eh. If I remember. Okay, never mind. What are we going to do next time on the podcast? Well, we got to go tell the mayor that Frank isn't a problem anymore. And then maybe we'll finally get to Giant Step. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe.